Hey, this is Lori from Hike. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a great first day hike. I'm actually recording this the morning of New Year's Day, so I don't know where I'm going to go hike today, but I know I'm going to get out there. I'm excited to bring you this episode to kick off your new year. The new year is always about setting the right intentions and understanding how you can make things better for not only you, but the people who are in your lives. Whether it's your corporate life, personal life, all of it blending together. And so it's really kind of uh, perfect that I bring Ashley White on for this episode. You might know him as the gentleman lumberjack. He also has that corporate life and his outdoorsy life. And he's been very open with his struggles, um, with his own mental health, with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety. And I really encourage you, if you haven't uh, listened to his episode as an out there ambassador, you're going to want to check it out. It's episode 97, Nature Saved My Life. And in that episode of Out There, you actually get the backstory about how Ashley went through a big struggle in his home life, his wife's illness, and what led him to saying that nature saved his life. Well, today though, you're going to get to know Ashley even more. We talk about a lot of topics. We go into finding how to be both a corporate persona and an outdoors persona. We chat about the healing power of nature, how he has seen it with his autistic son and in his own personal situation. We talk about slowing down, really being present and how he's adapted and adopted those principles with his own family. And we talk about inclusion in the outdoors and the things that he does to create a space, create opportunity, create safe places to welcome people who may not have had the access or the introduction to the outdoors in their lives. And then we close out talking about rookie season. And as you're looking at your year ahead, I encourage you to really think about what do you want to try in 2020? that's going to be new to you and it's going to stretch you. So come take a listen to my conversation with Ashley White, the gentleman lumberjack. Well, I'm here with Ashley White. Uh, So Ashley, tell me a little bit and listeners about yourself and uh, just, you know, your outdoor background. Sure. Uh, very quickly, personally, I am a father, husband, uh, feminist as well. I think the, I have three daughters and just understanding sort of the world that I want them to live in just really helps me to drive um, for more equality and equity, especially for women, um, which brings me to my professional world. Um, I work for Target and I do segmentation strategy. Uh, and with that, I look at uh, sort of our leadership pipelines and, and how we're looking when it comes for equity equitable situations for um, all different demographics for leadership. Um, I love the outdoors. Everything about it just 
warms my heart. And I know that I always tell people those type of statements from me sound very cheesy, but it is truly um, the description that I feel when I walk outdoors for a number of reasons. But you can't tell me that when you are walking down a path in, you know, a shaded area here, the, the streams bubbling or whatever you want to call it, or I love to fly fish and you're just in a remote part of the world or country or your state, um, and you find that moment of peace with the, the perfect cast and that fish that is just, you catch and it just truly makes your day. It also gets me out of the corporate world, which is my nine to five. And so every weekend um, I am out with my children, um, trying to make sure that they understand that the world is larger than their cell phones, even though it may not feel like it. Um, There's so many other things out to having real experiences and feeling sand in, in your feet, on your feet, or um, feeling the wind uh, in your hair, those type of things I preach and think that are real um, things that we shouldn't forget. So you said you have three girls. Um, what's kind of the age range of how little are they? Yeah, so I have three girls and one son. Okay, um, and so I, and most people are always like, "Oh, let me see a girl." Like, but I also have a son. He's my he's my junior. Um, age ranges for them are the oldest is fourteen, and my son, who's the baby, he just turned four. Uh, did you say four? Four. Yeah. Wow. He's a man now. Okay. So, so yeah. So that's a big big range. So the baby is uh, is the son. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the, the older sisters are doing a good job of also looking after him. Yeah, their job is particularly different. Um, when he, like, when he, one, he's a boy and he is, diff- all of my children are different, but he is particularly, um, like, I hate to generalize, but he's like all boy. He's a Ninja Turtle in every sense of the word. Um, and my daughters tend to be like stereotypical or I don't even know if that's right word, but they're princesses. Um, and you know, by, for, for better or for worse, that's how they uh, sort of shaken out. Um, and so their relationship with him is completely different. Um, and their, his world is much different from theirs because my son is autistic. And so again, when it comes back to sort of, um, my work, um, personal life and why the um, outdoors is very important to me is that when he's out there with them, um, his world seems to slow down quite a bit, um, processes to him, um, um, put him in a space where um, he seems to to be able to, to work through things much easier while we're out there. So like at camp, uh, you know, there, there's there's so many processes to it, right? It's like, get to camp, clean the campground, set the fire, prepare food, and he can help with all those things. And so he's really good at working those processes. And for them, um, you know, it's such a great experience because um, once we, we we talk to the doctors and they let us know that um, he would have some, some challenges uh, cognitively and mentally, um, though their first reaction was to cry. Um, and, and not necessarily, uh, you know, for our family or to feel sorry, uh, but it was, they got so upset um, because of the way they had seen other children who were autistic uh, be treated in their schools. Um, and so that, that learning moment uh, for them to, to be able to make sure that um, 
they were standing up for individuals who had mental disabilities or uh, cognitive issues on an everyday basis was something that they could take personally. And so they weren't taking that stance at the moment. And now that's something that um, they have become champions and allies for. Um, and I think that's really important. And, you know, they had to do it through life experiences like most of us, um, but they got it much earlier than I say did. And so, it, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those like under misunderstood blessings you know that that people and um sometimes that um it doesn't come to you the right way like i never would have said like oh i wish i had an autistic child like no one would ever say that but the the things that it has changed in our life um i would say um have have opened me up in growth and also i think that um you know my patience and like he's like my best friend and i hope that um, as he continues to grow, our relationship uh, stay, stays that way as well. So, yeah, that leads me to let's kind of talk about the outdoors as a way to break down barriers. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying with your son that he's able, you know, to process things better and, uh, you know, kind of the things like at camp. So how do you feel like that the outdoors has maybe... Um, you know, really broken down maybe some of the barriers that we see in just everyday, you know, the school environment or, you know, trying to kind of get outside of that um, specific, you know, those, I guess, constraints is what I'm trying to maybe say. Yeah, for for him particularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with your daughters and just the interaction because I just was curious, you know? For sure. Well, in... So he started in uh, sort of like a traditional school um, and um, the teachers considered him like aggressive is, is what they told us or violent. We even heard now this is like a three year old little boy and they were like, he's violent and he is a danger to other kids and himself. And so he can no longer come to school. And so he got kicked out of like three schools. Um, and in that in, in that environment, or even in that structured play and, and, and think like traditional school play, like, uh, you know, I don't know, dodgeball or like hopscotch and things with a lot of children around and the, the, the environment is very dynamic. Um, he could not process this fast. Now, we didn't know he was autistic at this point and neither did his teachers which is another which is which is another thing and they just weren't trained and neither were we to be able to identify those types of signs and so no fault on them even though they it was discouraging the way that they described him but he, that environment that was that was continually changing he just really struggled uh with that but when we would take him out in sort of like a, a family backpacking trip like he, he didn't give him any the, you know, special considerations at this time or, or anything. We noticed that the way that he engaged with other children and his sisters was much different than what we seen at school or what the teachers were describing or even what was that, even what we seen at home uh, or the way that he interacted with horses, for example. And so, um, uh, or with other, uh, with our family pets. Um, we noticed that these were things that um, particularly soothed and calmed him. Um, and when we were out in the wilderness, he was, I don't want to say his best self because it's like so overused on like Instagram or something like that, but he was um, clearly the happiest um, child I've, I've, I've seen him. 
Um, and so that's the thing. I want to go fishing. I want to go camping. Like these were, these yeah. are the first things that he's requesting. Um, not video games, not the iPad, even though he does ask for those things as well. But if you say, come on, son, let's go fishing, like it makes his world. And so th- these were the things like, how do we start to build this into more of a lifestyle for him um, to make sure, but also in, in these, in these opportunities, create a space to help him start to, you know, work on his communication style, to use using his words, problem solving, um, identifying things um, to help not only his cognitive development, but particularly how is he going to engage in the world. I mean, so like, even though he does go to, he goes to therapy, speech and physical and occupational and all of those wonderful things, um, he enjoys them, it's great. But when he's out in the woods, He's a different kid, for, for better or for worse. You know, we, we can't just live in the woods all the time, and he has to engage in the world and structure uh, play and, and education for sure. But I think that that adjustment is really helping him in those particular settings where it's much more formal um, and structured in a way that um, isn't necessarily built for, for sort of the, the tools that um, we, we give uh, children in, in a whole. So I know you know, you've been open about, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and, you Mm -hmm. know, different things, and how the outdoors has helped you with, you know, dealing with that. How is, how is it, and and maybe we can touch on that here too in a minute, but I was, I was just thinking, how is it now on the reverse side to see struggles, and maybe, you know, like you're saying, you know, a whole different type of struggle, whole different challenges yeah. that your son is going through, but you are seeing now him also respond in a positive way through the healing power of nature. Yeah. So I'm not a scientist or a therapist or I'm, I'm a philosopher. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, sort, of, it's sort of um nature, though I can't always back it up. Uh, healing principles within my home is something that no one can tell me is not a thing, right? Even if we can't explain it, um, I see visible changes. And I talk about it. I've talked about it in in other uh, ways. I talk about it on Instagram. Um, I just explained how it changes my son. Um, we'll talk about how what it what is done for me. Um, I've seen what is done for my daughters, which I've also expressed in um, helping them to find the moments to slow down and to to sort of decompress uh, from their their teenage world. But for me, um, and, I, and it's been articulated before, is uh, I tell people like, yeah, nature saved my life, and I believe that that statement is true based on where I was, at, you know, mentally and the, the you know the suicidal thoughts and like just not really knowing how to get back to the point where the quality of life that I have was something that I wanted to live. I want, I could, I could actually live, right. I never really wanted to die. I just, I just couldn't figure out how to live again until I went outside. And so nature didn't, I don't, I don't say like nature, even though I say it has, has healing properties. I don't, I won't say like nature healed me. Like I went outside and I talked to a tree or, or I dipped myself in the lake or rivers and I instantly, um, was felt better mentally, even though those things are true. It was, it was a lot of work um, on the side, but what nature really allowed me to do was to slow down enough for me to be able to sort. Um, And so uh, whether it was, you know, the health of my family or work or the pace or, you know, everything that comes at you at the world, once I was out there, 
all of those things seemed to melt away. And so emotionally, I was able to sort. Mentally, I was able to problem solve. Physically, I was able to, to rest. And so there these re regenerative properties and me being able to work through um, to solution things is really something that is, is very powerful. And I think that even though I've been telling this story for some time now that the, there's research now that's showing these bodies of work and I'm not an expert, I'm not a doctor, so I try not to like sort of quote things, but definitely take a look at anyone who, who cares to see that there are, there are physiological and biological things that are adjusted once you spend some time outside. And I think that those things um, now have science and my personal story is rooted in those things, even though I didn't know that was actually the solution at the time. I was fortunate enough to have, you know, a, a doctor who was flexible enough that when I articulated I didn't want to be on medicine because of uh, some of the ways that it made me feel, helped me to understand that there are, there are other ways. And I think that that's powerful and it's powerful for individuals to hear that story um, because I think that um, a lot of people, you know, just don't ask questions, especially to their therapist. And they're like, you should take this. And it's like, yeah, but like, which one I do byproducts? Like, what does that make me feel? That's all fine and dandy, but like, ask about alternatives. Um, if you are capable in taking those and it's safe for you to do so, like, you know, take a look into them, do your due diligence. And it may not work for everybody, but I know it worked for me. And the staff should be willing enough to, to be able to, you know, give you a care plan or, uh, you know, solutions that are, you know, that fit into the, the lifestyle that you want to live. So at what point did you kind of realize that nature was going to help you? Um, was it, did, I mean, can you go back to a specific time or did you feel like it was a cumulative kind of thing working through, you know, like you said, talking with your doctor, talking with therapists, <sighs> or did you have this knew... realization of? Yeah, it was definitely a realization. And so as I, as I mentioned that, you know, my, uh, my therapist was like, let's meet out, let's meet outside and the next time you come talk to me. And, and when I say outside, like, I'm not talking about, we went to like, you know, the grand Tetons and I had this like come to Jesus moment or something like that. It's, no, we were at like a neighborhood park, you know, and I just was in a green space and we had a, we had a conversation. I felt better, felt better than I had ever had. And, you know, it's in that like traditional, uh, just conversation. And then I felt more empowered to do those things alone. And I, I continue to feel better. And once I really start like seeing them, oh man, let's go on a backpacking trip. Three days in nature, I had never felt more refreshed. And it was one of the most grueling, you know, death marches that I that I had ever felt. And but in this particular circumstances, mentally, emotionally, even though I was drained physically, I knew that I was on to something. And and that's why I think that, that nature is so important, not only in every, like everyone should spend some time outdoors. Um, it, no, no matter how much, a little bit, like find a way to go sit in the sun, sit by the window, like <laughs> figure out a way to put more nature in your life because we just get so stuck 
um, on our screens. And these are just my personal philosophies. We get so stuck to our to our screens and um, I'm, I'm sitting in a car commuting. I'm on the train all the time. Um, I'm at work all day and then I get home and it's like dinner, homework, you know, family time. And all those things are very important. But also, like, how are you how are you finding time? And it may not be nature for everybody. It's, it's nature for me. But how are you making sure you find the time to uh, to take to recharge your batteries. It looks different for everyone, but my story is is nature, and nature seems to be a very powerful uniter for for a, a large group of people. So you were saying how you're stuck in that, you know, the daily grind, right? You're doing the commuting, yeah. you're at work, you're at maybe work functions, yeah. you know, the the home life. So you know, is it that every weekend you feel like you're getting out or doing something, or how how do you manage that? kind of push and pull. And I'm asking because I kind of feel the same way sometimes if I'm yeah. not able to get out and, you know, even just for, you know, a quick walk around uh, the office or something, you know, just getting uh, out, I feel that that sense of anxiety or that, you know, kind of building up. So I just mm-hmm. wonder, you know, what are some things you try to do to manage that? I am, I set very clear expectations, not only with myself, but with my family, with my my work, and so the the stigma um, that is associated with like post traumatic stress one lean into that is my recommendation. Everybody can't, but it was something that I had to learn to do, and it is a process. And so like I make it very clear that there is a max for me. You know, I I, I have a very high preference into introversion, but I have a very if you follow me on Instagram or you know me or you talk to me, I have a very uh, extroverted role at a very large company and so like there comes a time where I sort of max out in in engagement and so like being able to you know be thoughtful about your time owning your calendar making sure that you set that set that time away is really how I manage it on a on a day-to-day basis and so I have a hard stop and everybody can't do this and so I'm just telling you uh, what's worked for me and so like my calendar is blocked after like 4 30 and I'm like this is when I'm leaving I'm leaving when I'm leaving and I'm going home and you will not talk to me. If there is an emergency, you can call me. However, if not, then like I'll see you in the morning because at the, in the grand scheme of life, if someone isn't dying, then don't call me. Um, so I set like very clear blocks on my calendar. And I also set very clear time in my week for me to go outside, um, whether it's family time or personal time. And then in the larger calendar, I have like, a set set of trips that I take alone, which are much deeper into the backcountry or something that maybe my family can't attend with me based on their size or or, um, or level of competence in the wilderness that I take to get away. And so I'm very thoughtful about me making sure that this is a priority because the alternative to me was where I was, you know, five years ago, where, you know, the age to the point of like, oh, we got to put you on medication. Oh, you need to be hospitalized. And that's not always the case. And then on the other side, right, I I have these grand dreams of like, oh, I'm just going to buy a Sprinter van and I'm just (laughs) going to like, just go live that life. And um, that's that's not a reality for me, right? I I have, you know, stay at home mom and we have it's a weird family of six. And so my ability to create income, however that may look, is a real responsibility for me, right? So I can't just walk away from it all. I got, I have to provide. And like how we, how that looks for my family may look different for other families. 
but it, you have to be able to manage like how far can you go and so i don't think everybody needs a sprinter van and go and like live that that road life super cool if you can but those who either don't have the resources to do that or those who like they actually know that they wouldn't thrive in that lifestyle but it's just it's just super romantic you have to be really thoughtful about your about your time, your free time, right? So how you how do you choose to recreate to make sure that you're getting that fix if you know like the walls of your office provide you a, a space of anxiety? And so I would say like, is that the right job for you, or how are you managing like your personal time to make sure that you come back full, knowing that 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 space can be a drain for you? It's interesting. I mean, the stuff that you're talking about is is really based in kind of you owning what your reality is. And how do yeah. you then manage to still have your connection with nature, knowing, you know, they have the responsibilities that, you know, the sprinter life, you know, the sprinter van life is, uh, is very romanticized, but you know, the reality, sure of, it's, it's the reality of that beautiful, is, isn't it? is still <laughs> that, you know, you still have to pull in a paycheck, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it's not all about, you know, the trailhead and, uh, and, and that, and I'm sure we could go on a whole tangent about, you know, the unrealistic lens of social media, mm-hmm. you know, too. But, you know, you mentioned about also setting those boundaries and expectations from, you know, everyone around you, you know, being open about mental health and struggles. Was that, uh, you know, you know, you're very open about it. So I wondered if there was a time that you struggled with being open or just how that shift happened if it did yeah um honestly that's all a a newer journey for me Mm -hmm. and so when this first happened no one knew that i was struggling mentally emotionally but the my like my first ring of family not even you know ring a couple rings out not even my close friends right it was something that we kept in house but I realized that me not sharing that narrative with those um, around me made sure that it didn't help them respond to my triggers, right? I, w- I would be naive to say that things didn't affect me and, and at different levels and different levels from different people. And so if I never expressed to them like what some of those triggers were, I would do my best to manage them. And I think ultimately I'm responsible for that, but it doesn't hurt for people <laughs> to help in those situations, right? And if, the, if, if that relationship dictates for those conversations to happen, they should. But I thought people would judge me. I thought my family would judge me. I thought my friends would judge me. Opening up, opening up those things, I never had anyone um, reach out to me like negatively, like "Oh, you're weak" or "You're you're not you're mentally soft." Um, and so these are things that I that were running through my head and things that I was afraid of that I let dictate how I responded and how I engaged with the people that love me the most. So that's that's one thing, right? Um, the people who love you most work work into that different people you know different relationships um again the people probably have different philosophies around that this is my story and what worked for me mm-hmm. and the second thing was if i articulated this to the world oh my my job thing and so i remember making the decision to have a conversation around this area and i was going to tell my story and i did and I was like, oh, now everybody knows I'm crazy, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get fired. Like, they're going to find a way to walk me out. And this is not going to work out. And so I need to be prepared to get fired because people will think that something's wrong. So that next day, you know, I'm like, 
All right, I want to make sure I got my personal belongings <laughs> in case they walk me out. And you know what happened? No one batted an eye um, when I walked into the office ready to, you know, lose my job. In fact, I found that people were excited uh, to hear my story because they had been struggling with things and they, they didn't know how to, to deal with it or um, they didn't know how to articulate it. Uh, to, to their leaders or um, leaders will come to me and say, hey, can you come and um, share your story? Because I know that people will benefit from hearing those things. And so I, I sort of started to go on this like road show of like, Ashley, Ashley I got like Ashley's Looney Tunes is like how I used to joke, even though it's not a joking manner. Um, it was like putting my struggles all out there on display and say, you know what? Like not only do you own your narrative but what what can open up is when you have that level of trust or even like own up your narrative people may not like it but they they often respect it and that's i think that's a win you destigmatize that conversation because you own it um and it's not something to shy away from and people realize that there are others like you you can often get um a little more grace and i'm not saying that like you don't get to perform at work like you still have to perform like that's we work for businesses and i try not to, to shy away from that conversation as well but if you're in an organization that's truly putting people first which we all hope that we work for those types of conversations should have resources available to you to make sure that you are successful right um and so how are you leveraging those and but ultimately like how power are you fitting in the world and like i own my story because i think i'm a one-on-one a, a one-on-one and so that if i don't if i don't lean into my story or um, i'm not saying you have to like share your personal story with everyone like i've chosen to do but if if you are not a hundred percent of who you are or bring a hundred percent of who you are to your everyday then like we're missing something um because my perspective like i said had like changed people's decisions or at least how they were feeling about themselves and working in like a corporate environment for example you know that's that's uh that's very true i mean you hear a lot of people talk about oh be authentic and you know be your authentic self but but that's really it in practice you know it's yeah it's it, hard yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is hard. It's scary. And it, it's scary to put your truth out there. I mean, you dealt with that. Obviously, you dealt with that fear and was, you know, you overcame it because you saw that, you know, that was just one aspect that, you know, was going to hold you back. If you were going to, you know, if, if you would focus in on, on, you know, worrying about what, you know, the negativity that, that you didn't even have to deal with. But it's just that preconceived notion of mm -hmm. telling my truth might have repercussions for sure so how are you you know are your I mean your oldest you said is 14 so yeah. I think you know obviously kind of old enough to understand uh, maybe the narrative um, have you seen maybe um, what what have you seen in and how she is picking up on on how you've you know been open and and uh, Kind of told your story yeah i think that my daughter's generation like the stigma of mental health and self-care and all of these things aren't are, they get this they get introduced to these things so much earlier than uh like i didn't learn about these things literally until after like college right but my like my children's like they talk about this regular regularly right um 
it's something that is a conversation that sometimes I'm actually like a little alarmed that I have to have, right? And so like she's aware of, you know, school shootings or uh, very traumatic things that when I was younger, when they were happening, I didn't really have as much access to the world. So they didn't affect me the same way they affect our this next generation, right? Something happens tragically in the world. Now it's like, oh, it's, there's an alert on her phone or like everyone in school is talking about it or like all of these things where we were, our, the world information just didn't travel as fast when I was younger. And so by the time we, uh, we were there, um, I was much older. And so kids today are learning coping mechanisms for better or for worse um, at a much earlier age. And so for me, this conversation, like with the mental struggles that she, she, she was old enough to see the things that I, I was going through, though we tried to shield her as much as possible. But my oldest daughter, um, she seen me have bad days. Like she, she has. I never let those things stop my responsibilities because I do think that performing, but I also truly believe that sometimes I have to take care of myself. And so like, if I'm having a bad day, it's like, you want to go play golf or, you know, you want to go walk in the park? And like, she's like, cool, let's go, let's take the dog out for a walk. And she understands that that green time for me is what sort of resettles me, like settles me down. I also, in turn, check on her heart very regularly. And so a lot of people ask, you know, children, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like, I hate that question. And I'm like, I'm like, what's, what excites you right now? And then how's your heart? Like, mm-hmm. let me know, you know, emotionally what you're going through so we can make sure, you know, it's just a conversation that we need to have about those two things. And so like, if you're excited about A, B, and C, how am I giving you experiences that keep, that give you energy, right? A lot of people just like, oh, they need structure and, and sports and all that good stuff. And like, that's, that's fine if that's the way you want to parent or that's what the kid desires. But like for me, I just want to know what she's excited about. And so sometimes it's photography, sometimes it's art, sometimes it's cooking. Like, all right, we will, we're fortunate enough to be in a a position that we can have unlocks for those things, but you can do those things relatively cheaply as well. And and then it's like, how's your heart? And so just understanding, like, especially as a teen, like, what are some of the emotions that you're feeling and how can I make sure that you can articulate those things more than I'm angry or I'm mad because the range of those things, you know, actually you're, you might just be upset because of, you know, it was a smaller issue, but you articulating everything as I'm mad sometimes can be seen as, you know, combative. And so how do, how am I helping you actually understand your emotions and articulating them in a space where people can actually understand the levels and the things to respond to you um, while you're still at you? So I think it's interesting that all of the things that, you know, you were mentioning about the examples of getting, you know, your daughter out there or to talk through, they're also involved, you know, something outdoors, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of that calming, you know, piece of it, whether, I mean, whether it's still a competitive sport or, you know, you're doing something that's still surrounded, you know, by nature. So what, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, you know, everyone has such busy lives and about, you know, you were just mentioning, you know, kids and structure and sports and and this and that, but how have you helped find that balance to, you know, get them out in nature and, and bring them into, into the outdoors more. Let me, let me be also very clear. Cause like, this sounds like I have all my ducks in a row. It's a shit show. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shit show. There are just too many of us. My wife is my superpower. I talk about that a lot to people based on the number of children that we have. She literally is so great at 
managing our house and then also managing me and then managing her goals and dreams and all the things that she wants to do. And so I tell everyone, like, it, I sometimes it, I feel that I was doing a, uh, doing a disservice to her by feeling like or being broken. However, she is amazing and she's able to tackle so many things and actually do the things that she wants to do with the kids. And so how I saw it is I, we, we sort of divide and conquer into those, into those spaces. Everybody doesn't have a partner with the flexibility that I have. And I'm not, I'm not naive to that. And so what I will say is what you prioritize, the things that you prioritize are, are your decisions. And so even without that superpower of, of my wife, I think that I would still be able to prioritize, I would still prioritize not only time outdoors for myself from a mental standpoint, but also for my children, because I think that they are the stewards of, of, of this world as, as we are currently. These, my daughter will grow up to be an adult responsible for, responsible for making sure that everything is taken, taken care of, or she's doing her part to take care of to the best of her ability to this earth. And so her connection to nature or being outdoors is something that I take very seriously, understanding the consequences of her actions. And it can be something as simple as dropping a a wrapper on the ground. It can be like, you're leaving the lights on, you're wasting water. And like they they nickname me Mean Green sometimes because I'm I'm often like, I'm that parent. Like if she leaves the water on, I'm like, there there are people who don't have water to drink right now. And like, you're just just letting it run down the sink. And so I'm that dad, um, which is kind of funny, but also I take it very seriously. But I think that the, the, the reason that we are able to get outside, even though sometimes it seems very hectic or very busy, is that as a family unit, we've decided that that's something that's important to us. And I often can take that for granted because I do understand some people don't have, I live in um, a beautiful state with green spaces readily available and everybody doesn't have this sort of environment where it's that accessible to them. And, but it's definitely a priority for us and that's how we manage it because we we make sure that um, we at least get out as a family unit once a week. So you're in Minnesota, right? That is correct. Okay. So tell me a little about, like you said, the green spaces there. Where are you getting out to spend time when you're oh, getting out in, in Minnesota? So people are really hard on Minnesota. Right? I know. You I just Minnesota, think of it being cold. Of like... <laughs> and I'm from so Michigan. Cold. It so, is cold. Yeah. Don't worry. It gets really cold. For sure. It gets really cold. Like, but Minnesota is actually really beautiful. Northern Minnesota, Lake Superior, just that section of the country, I think is one of the best kept secrets. There's some wonderful hikes there, some wonderful towns there. If you live in the Twin Cities or in Rochester, or like we have such, so we have the you know the Mississippi runs through the state. There are so many just lakes, of course, um, and activities that are really based around outdoor activities, and that's all year long, right? So. In the winter, it might not be your thing, but please believe we see people out there ice fishing, building Quincy's, winter camping, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, outdoor hockey. All these things are very real uh, in this state. And it was surprising when we folks moved here because this is not something that we were like ready to to do. But because winter here seems so long and so cold, like you have to learn to recreate in the winter if you are going to live here. And I think like not just hibernate. But in the spring, summer, and fall, even though it feels like that's such a short time, it is the most perfect state you ever live in. So do you go ice fishing? I do not. <laughs> okay. 
But you do fish but, a lot. So, but so I do fish. I, yes. for, yeah. So like I'll go fly fishing. I think, you know, 30 degrees, I'm like out there in the water. It's just something you dress for. I do winter camp. Ice fishing never just appealed to me. I don't know why. And there's like two farms. There are like people who do it like super cushy and they have their like wonderful um, ice houses and they have like TVs and couches and internet and all that cool stuff. And then there are people who, you know, are just out there with, with two pups on the lake or just sitting on a bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a, you know, difference of, of fishing styles or finances or however, but the love of fishing is something that Minnesota has a ton, but it makes sense because we have so many lakes um, and access to water that one of the favorite pastimes is, is fishing. So I got to, and that kind of leads me to, to, um, I've seen you, you know, you're trying to also bring awareness out there, you know, in Instagram, because I see you post and, you know, you're using the hashtag brown people fish, right? Is that the one? So it's trying to. That is one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. So tell me a little bit about trying to, I guess, break down some of the, you know, kind of stereotypes about the outdoors that, you know, or just bringing more inclusion of, yeah. you know, that reality is, um, you know, the outdoors is, is pretty much full of all of us. And it's, it's not just maybe in a, a glossy catalog that, you know, a corporate outdoor retailer might put out. So I'm yeah. just curious on getting your thoughts on that. So twofold those communities and Instagram and and social media and all those things have done, uh, you know, just a platform to have those conversations. They aren't always pretty, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. some progress, right? When you see corporations or, you know, understanding that you don't see yourself at that retailer in those magazines, like what does that do for um, individuals who not only find love in that space or the individual who has never tried that, all right? And so, though, like, people talk in, like, nauseam about these things, right? Even though those conversations have to happen. Like, these are conversations that happen every day. And so I don't think that we necessarily have to have a conversation right now, but it's something that I'm very passionate about. um, And it's something that I've made my life practice, right? It's what I do every day um, for my career, is to make sure that people feel comfortable in space that has not been traditionally theirs, right? My goal and how I use my personal voice on my personal platform, and so I'm not speaking for anyone or um, the, ha- the hashtags that yes. you know I try to support um, because they all have their own initiatives and, and everything, and I don't want to do any disservice by putting any words in their mouth. My personal thing is how do we get more people out there to try, right? And so, you know, there are, there are conversations around you know, diversity as like a plateau. And so like, if you look at the parks and recreation numbers, like their demographic is aging, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So eventually, even though they are like getting peak numbers, like those things are going to bottom out. And so um, from a sustainability, like it's a business imperative for them, right? It's a business imperative for uh, corporations as well. So like, you're going to plateau there is a there is a underrepresented segment that you should need to focus on, right? And so that's a conversation that the businesses have and what they what they need to look like and how they show up to make sure um, that they are they are tapping into it. It's also like a like what we would consider like a moral imperative too as well, like equity and equality. And that's that's one side of the conversation that I've that um, um, we don't have to discuss here, but just to just level yeah, set no, on no, the that's... on those questions. Okay. Um, 
what I look what I look to do is is to say like there are for example like hashtags like black people don't right and it's just like the and normally it's in a it's in a joking place but like if you would have told me four years ago I was gonna move to Minnesota and sleep in a snow shelter in the boundary waters and you know fillet some fish and uh <laughs> snowshoe uh even dog sled and and those things i have been like absolutely not and i consider myself an outdoorsman but those are things that have been those aren't, aren't things that have been traditionally things that african americans would do right and so i feel like me showcasing that I'm able to do those things and inviting people who um, have not done those things, um, but it's in particularly African-Americans or, or people of color or women um, out to do those things, um, I think is, is very important, not only to the, to the growth of individuals, but also the growth of community. Um, and that's why you see me hashtag those things is not to say, oh yeah, this is a business imperative or it's a moral imperative. It's say, hey, this is a safe space. Like uh, traditionally, you may you may you may feel that like going out and sleeping in the woods because that's what like that's not something that's gonna like even though it is kind of dangerous. Like if I were to speak to my mother or my grandmother, who is like, I mean, almost like the stereotypical black grandma right like to a fault sometimes. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, that's my grandma, but I love her. But southern woman. Um, Southern African American grandmother, like probably what you picture in your head, whether it's biased or not, like that's probably you probably see my grandmother, <laughs> oh, for better or for worse. Um, but me telling her that I'm going to sleep out in the snow, no, absolutely not. That's not something we do. Um, and so, how do I showcase myself, like into inviting people as this is a safe space and I'm a trusted, I'm a trusted face. Uh, for example, you know, um, and sometimes the message should come from a trusted face and sometimes it can and vice versa when it comes to the diversity conversation. Um, like the people having those conversations sometimes need to be allies and sometimes they need to be the people um, who actually uh, who actually re represent that segment. And so there's this balance for me personally on my personal platform. That's really the message that I'm trying to get across is look at me, look at my family. This is what we look like and these are the things that we do. If you would like to come, please join us, we'll host you. And I put that out um, very regularly out and my wife is very open to hosting people and like I take people out all the time and just, just sort of like I'm not by any means an expert at any of this stuff. Um, but I promise that you won't get hurt when you're with me and I won't make you do anything that you're not uncomfortable with. So, I mean, I, what I'm hearing is mostly just trying to like you said, provide an opportunity for people who mm -hmm. might have questions or maybe would love to try it, but it's just not something they grew up, you know, with access to, right? Yeah. Um, and that could be, with yeah. someone that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. and, and so you might like, you might want to go ski, but you know, you want to come up to Minnesota and like you're the only black face on the hill can be intimidating. Whether or not you think that you will enjoy it and love it, and you may just be uncomfortable with that. And so how do I say, come along with me? Let's go on this hill together. I'll be a trusted face for you and help you navigate this space. So do you, I mean, did you have someone who you felt was a role model or someone you looked up to who was kind of opening some of that to you? I, for sure, there are a couple yeah. people who 
I think gave me an opportunity or showcase that all of them weren't people of color. Some of them were yeah. allies. So like, like I was saying, like it, it can come from the source, but it's really about the trusted space, uh, trusted face. Um, so invite somebody and, you know, take care of them. My particular um, story revolves around just getting, just getting strange opportunities and, and taking advantage of them. And when I was very uncomfortable, everyone won't do that. Everyone won't take that leap. And so my goal is to make sure that they feel comfortable enough to be able to come and give it a shot with somebody that they believe understands them and their, their story and their journey. Um, and they, they know that, uh, that, I, that they'll be taken care of in that situation. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're continuing to, continuing it on or, you know, kind of paying that forward of, of creating a safe space and hopefully the mm -hmm. people that you're taking, you know, are also doing that and learning and having fun along the way. Yeah. And, and people, different people, you know, have different resources. And so, you know, I talk about this too, and a lot of the things that I, that I post, like, you may want to do it. You may even trust me, but you're like, you know, I can't afford the gear or I like, and I have family of six. So I guarantee you, I can like give you most everything that you'll need because we have almost six everything. Um, and so like, feel free, like, come on, come out. We'll, we'll make sure that you're taken care of, like, you know, access or even like driving to, you know, the location, right? Do you have a car? Can you afford, can you afford the gas if you do have a car? You know, mm -hmm. like all of these things are, are roadblocks for individuals to get outside. And so uh, my goal is to make sure that that's not an issue. Um, and now I don't like have unlimited resources, but from like a one-to-one -one basis or one to a few or one to some, um, it's something that I take very seriously in making sure. And that that's, seen by you know my role and like on, on boards um that i sit on and making sure that they understand some of like the diverse uh challenges that individuals may have and so whether that is getting to a family camp or whether that's getting to you know a national park Every, all everyone's experience um though people are like outdoors is for everybody like for sure that's really cool and like in theory <laughs> actually going to recreate getting to the place of recreation it has challenging for well, a lot of for a lot of people and i think it's reframing what what it means to recreate outdoors and and allowing yeah. more access to you know having city mm -hmm. green spaces and different for things sure. bike paths and different you know kind of safe places where you know people can ride yes. their bikes not be on the road or you know for sure yeah so it, it is i, I talk about it too like every Every recreational opportunity doesn't have to almost be death-defying for it to be a cool mm -hmm. story, right? You don't almost have to fall off the mountain every time. Regardless like of what story, Instagram right? tells us. <laughs> Do not believe yes. that. Do Especially not. if you have, um, you know, individuals with disabilities or, like, even small children. Those, like, path moments to, like, my littles, like, that is, like, such a big adventure for them. The world is very new to them. And so giving them those very small experiences are well worth their weight um, and adventure to those who, who don't have who, or who don't, you know, understand sort of the, the, the complexities of the world quite yet. And so I always share this stuff like, you don't like I don't have to go to Zion every weekend. Like I can go around the corner and just, you know, walk in our walk in the local park to ha and, and and give learning lessons to my children about, you know, pine cones, caterpillars. 
all these wonderful things are very present in the world if you just slow down and look for them. And most, some of them are even in your backyard, right? <laughs> these are these are things that you can have those conversations very simply without going very far. But if you listen to, you know, the, the world and you read like adventure magazines, all that stuff is super cool, but that world isn't for everybody. And don't get caught up into that because it will ultimately burn you out trying to keep up with those things. No, I love your message of also... Well, one, what I heard was to be present and wherever you're at and, and to slow down, you know, slow that down, take a moment kind of look at what's really happening in the space around you. So I got to ask as, you know, we're kind of closing or kind of getting, you know, towards the end of our time, you know, a, a few things. One, the main thing is kind of what, what has that slowing down and kind of with your children what has been the biggest eye-opener to you? That is a, a very special moment for me, especially for my older children, because um, like we talked about earlier, information comes to them at a very rapid pace on a constant, constant just level. It's just they have a bombardment of information and at their fingertips, right? Um I try to manage that. However, there is no way I can protect them from all of that. But when we are in a space that is, it almost forces us to slow down. So in any um, green space where, you know, we've agreed in, in, we've agreed to not pull our phones out and we're walking uh, or we're up at, you know, up, up north and there's no cell phone coverage. And so like we're forced to play you know, board games and have conversations. And if you have teenagers, like conversations are hard to come by sometimes. <laughs> real, and I remember when I was younger too, but like that's what we're dealing with is like, um, in, in these moments, we slow down the world, which I told you is something that I think is so very important to mental health um, for them and to settle and for us to just sit in that moment, find peace in that moment and and be and be a family, mm -hmm. like a fully present family. And sometimes like at home and I, you know, just a little transparency into our life. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be home. I'll get from work. I might, um, you know, I might be looking at my, my phone. I might be scrolling through Instagram. I might be watching the news at the same time. You know, my wife, um, maybe, you know, doing schoolwork. Um, my daughters may be, you know, doing homework and they are, they're on the tablets and most of their things. And so like, we're sitting in the same room together sometimes, but we aren't really engaging. And it's like, I, there's so many just things vying for our attention. Right. And in these moments though, we try to do it like on a regular basis, even in our home, these moments were forced into that. And we've created, we've created almost a bubble. And I think that those bubbles have almost become taboo for people. And you're like, hey, I'm going up here, no cell phone service. They're like, oh my goodness, what are you going to do? And I'm like, what did we do before cell phones? Like, we're going to, we're going to have a conversation. Um, and it's amazing how my children engage with each other and their ability to have teamwork after, you know, like siblings fight, right? They get, in, they get into it. Ah, oh, you're doing this. You're in my space, blah, blah, blah. Two days out in the wilderness, they're best friends. They work together. They communicate. They build. They problem solve. They get leadership skills, all of these things that just come from being outside. And it's often it's relatively inexpensive compared to a lot of the other things that we have. And, as, and from a family, from a family of six, that's very important. 
Yeah. And all the things that they can apply to, you know, when they get older, all the life yeah, skills. And, I was, and then the, you know, the, the second message, and I, I just wanted to re- reinforce, like, you can be a, an outdoor enthusiast and also work in a corporate environment. I, I, I feel like it, you said you, you, this is your struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are things that we sort of romanticize, and, and sometimes it works out for people. And no knock to people who make that leap and like drive their passion and, and they do all those things. Like that is completely awesome. High fives! Like I dream of those moments for sure, right? But there's also ways to get those fixes, and and I think that's important if that is what you desire. Like if time and money and responsibilities weren't a thing, or you were able to solve for those things, go do that. But if you don't, like, you can work to that for sure, but make sure you do it responsibly, right? Make sure if you don't have the unlocks for those, or I myself don't currently, that you, you figure out that time. And so my goal is to, to showcase those things too. You can you can do both. And um, not to mix my messages because I, I don't think that I am, but I just want to be clear that that's what, the, that's what the, the gentleman lumberjack is actually about. And that's, that's why you'll see me in a tuxedo next to the CEO. And then you'll, like, the next thing you'll see me out in, like, grimy dirty in a river uh With an you know axe. getting muddy wet and cold right <laughs> now i think that's and a so, great message and and i love that you show both sides of your life because often you, you know you don't see that and it's it's great to see other people who are you know out there and kind of saying this is all of me you know i am i'm both the gentleman and the lumberjack yeah and it's and, yeah and i i think that the there is a bit of complexity to those things, mm-hmm. but I bring I bring leadership that I learned out in the wilderness in the woods, like to my job every day for sure. Like there there are just things that that there's some intersectionality to that complexity of who I am, right? I bring it home, you know. I the the way that I ma- that way I manage things at home, the way I, the way um, I parent, the way that I take my children out, all of those things are all a part of the you know the gentleman lumberjack. I bring my daughters into the corporate environment. I want them to see um, me at work. I want them to see also, though, me going down a you know a, a sled. I want they should they should be able to understand that you can do both. You can do three. You can do three. What matters though is that um, what you're doing, be excited about it, and be passionate about that. And that can come in many forms. And sometimes your passion and your job don't always align. Mine. I've been fortunate enough to find a space that it does, but it always wasn't that way. And so now the next unlock is how do I get my, my passion and job to align with like the outdoor space, right? So those are like yeah. when the gentleman, the lumberjack become the same, the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's when my world is going to explode. But currently I... there, there, there's two different parts of me, right? I, uh, but know, but I, I keep getting feeling. closer and closer, yeah. closer and closer to getting the gentleman and the lumberjack to be you know that 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 same that that same persona because right now it's, it's it feels like there are two personas even though I'm being authentic to myself right uh, but they're like they're two they're two sides of what I do the, the super mind blowing moment is if you know I can I can recreate be employed and also have my passion and it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to work out that way but I think that that would be just phenomenal. So, what's next for you, Ashley? What are What's your next thing that you're going to get out and what's the next fix, I guess? Oh, man. So that's a good, great question. And I talk uh, about 
we have this like growth mindset in our house with rookie seasons, right? We're really into failure. I know that sounds weird, but like that's one of the questions I ask my daughter. And so people are like, um, like, yeah, how was your day at school today? And you're like, good, what'd you do? Blah, 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 blah. My next question is, what'd you fail at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that sounds really weird to a lot of people, but I want to make sure that my kids not necessarily embrace like the attitude of failure. Like it's so like, but I want them to embrace the attitude of, of, yeah, that didn't work out. So what did I learn from it? And then what am I going to do different? Right. And so it's not sitting in the failure. It's like, yeah, we, we, we failed. You did. That was wrong. That didn't work out. But so what are we, what are we going to do about it? And so um, sometimes I celebrate it like, Ooh, ah, that was a tough one, but high five though. Cause you, you, you learn from it and now you're doing something different. And so I say all that to say that in my household, we have this thing called a rookie season. I talk about it a little bit on Instagram and some other some other spaces where you'll hear me talk. And so I learn some I try to learn something new every year okay. uh, that challenges me. And the rules are it has to stretch me from an outdoors perspective. These are my personal rules. And it has to be something I've never done before. And so this year, for example, is fly fishing. And so you can like almost like see my life and like what I what I thought was important that year and I've only been on Instagram a little while because I didn't find value in social media for uh for a long time I mean it's still something that I wrestle with as well like how much do I show but I'll talk about it all day but I don't I don't know why. <laughs> um, so this year was fly fishing so 2019 and was fly took, fishing and do you know what fly you fishing. I took the whole year to completely suck at something <laughs> right and you get progressively better but you put that tool in your wheelhouse and it's just something that sticks i think a year is long enough to do it right and so if i did it for like you know like a couple of weeks and i didn't like it and i quit i might not have unlocked the actual joint because i never got good enough or proficient enough to find enjoyment in it right like i didn't catch a fish the first time i went out i got skunked i could have quit but it was like ugh, like that's not you know, there's there's a learning lesson in there, but also the first time I caught a fish, I was like, oh, this is amazing, right? Um, and so a year, I think, is is more than enough investment to be able to understand whether you really enjoy something or you don't, and to get proficient enough in to make that decision. Because everything else until that, you're 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 really just learning, um, and you're not a you're not an expert in anything. Um, and so the next year for me, I have sort of been trying to like unpack whether or not I want to take the year to really focus on um, like downhill skiing, okay. uh, which is something that that's sort of seasonal, but there, there are sort of ways around it from a training perspective or going to like learn how to be a guide and so taking a year and not necessarily me understand like focusing on me recreating but get proficient and get all my get certifications and uh, make sure people are safe to make sure other people enjoy the outdoors and so from from being uh, introspective on the things that I love to trying to uh, make sure that other people and enjoy the outdoors as much as I do, but give them a little cushion and help them find that fish, <laughs> you know, make sure when they get to camp um, that I can prepare things for them and just help them feel struggle. So those are my two options for my rookie season. And I have not decided which one that is, but I'm running out of 2019 very quickly. And so I'll have to make a decision. Well, I look forward to following and figuring, you know, and finding out when you decide and uh, see how 2020 goes for you how cool I'll go ahead ahead. oh as I say how can people follow you how can people follow along and kind of follow your journeys sure well um 
you can find me on Instagram at the gentleman lumberjack, which we explain the the handle. I'm also an out there um, podcast ambassador, and so there's an episode where I talk more about my mental struggles there. But you can see, find me there as well. And ultimately, yeah, those are the two best ways to come look find me in the world. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking time today to talk with me to kind of give me more of your story, but also kind of talk about, you know, some of the tips you have, some of the things about family and really bringing it home, uh, I think, for for the listeners. And I, I really do appreciate that. For sure. Thank you for having me, by the way. You're welcome. Thanks again for listening today. Make sure to check the show notes so you can connect with Ashley. And then also, of course, to connect with me at The Hike Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can email me hikepodcast at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode, please leave me some feedback. I would love to hear from you. This season, I'll also be putting out more bonus episodes. So be on the lookout for one of those coming to you soon. Until next time, see you on the trail.